It is good to be here. So, we love baby dedications, right? Amen. And what are we going to do to the Stanley family before they leave? We're going to give them lots of loving, right? Okay? But when we think about kids, we, we look at little Benjamin, and we look at that moment when we see him, and we, we smile, and we see how cute he is, and how awesome he is, and, and how perfect he's being right up here, right? Right? And that's how it is with every child. We all desire when we see these kids that, that we're so excited for them. We have so much hope and so much future for them. And it's in those moments that we celebrate. We celebrate children. But what happens when they're not so cute? What happens for that parent that they bring the baby up for the baby dedication and they're ah, going nuts? What happens when you have a, a house full of guests over on a, on a holiday and, and the kids bump over the turkey and it falls on the ground and the dog eats it? It's happened. And it does happen. What happens when at times that all you want is your adult time and, and these little kids just keep coming in and, and nagging you, right? It's not like, like you never use that word until you become a parent. For some reason, like as a kid, you're like, what does nagging mean? Is it even in the dictionary? But as a parent, you're thinking that, like, I just need my space. These kids can be so annoying. Like, is there ever going to be daddy time? Like, seriously, when you have little kids, is there ever anything called daddy time besides going on a business trip? Right? Dad, you can laugh. Okay, because you know you play golf when you're on business trips. But in that, there's something as we look at the vision of our church that we have to hold on to. And it has to deal with how do we view children? How do we look at children? How do we love children the way that Jesus loves us? How do we raise our kids in a way that, that one day that they're going to choose to be followers of Jesus Christ? I think about Patrick and Jillian, and the thing that I love so much about them is that they're learners. They're constantly wanting to grow. Not just in their vocation, but also in their faith. And oftentimes, Patrick and I will go for these walks, and, and he likes walking more than I do, and he'll, he'll put Benjamin in the stroller, and he just talks to me about, how am I going to raise this kid properly? How am I going to raise him in the ways of the Lord? How am I going to raise him that, that one day, that when the toughest decisions come my way, that, that he's going to choose to follow Jesus? That he's going to choose to make proper choices and decisions that reflect who Jesus is to us. And as a church, I oftentimes see how, how churches kind of shoo kids away. I actually love this morning on two different occasions, little Julia comes running up during the middle of worship and just kind of, she has no idea what's going on and runs right to daddy. And, and then, then a little boy over here dancing and, and at times like, is that annoying? No. But yet if you are home, and with your family, or maybe you are in nursery right now, if you are with Roots in library at this moment, how cute would that be for that child to be running around when you're trying to teach them, when you're trying to discipline them, when you're trying to do all these things? And as a church, as we start this year off, we need to understand what does Scripture say? What does Jesus say about the little children? Because if we really ever want to know the heart of Christ, we have to know His heart and view of how He views children. And so I want you to do me a favor. I want you to 
turn in your Bibles to Matthew 19. Matthew 19, 13 through 15. A very simple passage we're going to look at. Matthew 19, 13 through 15. And here's what I want us to do this morning. I want you to open up your hearts by opening up your ears. I want you to open up your hearts to see what we are called to be as a church so that one day that the kids of this church would be following Christ and many people would come to know Christ because they found Jesus in you and in us together. Matthew chapter 19 says this, One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so He could lay His hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering Him. Now stop for a moment. Let's just stop right there. First first verse. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so He could lay His hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering Him. Here's the background. The disciples have been following Jesus for three years. Now, has Jesus always welcomed children? Of course He has. But as we look at Scripture, most of the welcoming the children when then a parent was struggling with that child. The, struggle, the parent was struggling with that child for a physical ailment, a spiritual ailment, or even an emotional ailment. And when you look all throughout the early parts of the Gospels, some of the first miracles and miraculous signs that were performed were on little children. And so parents were bringing their children to Jesus all the time. But what we know in the very beginning was that Jesus would lay His hands on them for healing, for restoration. If you are a parent and your child has ever been sick, which they all will be at some point, you know the struggles that you have. Whether you've been a child who's had a, a, a life-threatening illness or accident, to the first cold you get, that, that when you have that child in front of you that is so innocent and there's nothing you can do to help, what do you feel? You feel helpless and hopeless and paralyzed. I remember the first time, and I'm totally putting Patrick on the spot, first time his son got a cold. I think he called me before the doctor. And he said, what do you do? I said, relax. It's a fever. So, and I felt that pain because I remember the first time that Brandon got a cold. That Brandon got sick. And I remember other parents that have called me and asked me about things. Omar and other guys that, that you know, we all have it together until the thing that we value most seems broken. And in Scripture, we see that the people that were bringing their children to Jesus were the ones that went to the doctor and did everything, whatever it may have been, and they said, you are our last resort. And Jesus touched them and healed them. Things have changed though because Jesus has a name now. Jesus has a following. He's the it that everyone wants to be around. And his disciples, even though they've watched him and seen him lay his hands on kids and welcome them and play with them and play tags, and maybe he was that pony ride guy that walked around with rotary. I don't know. But Jesus always welcomed everyone. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. But there always comes a point in all of us when, 
when things are going perfectly in our way, that it's, we're kind of a little bit big, too big for our britches, right? It's time to kind of leave Jesus alone. Like, he's got bigger things to attend to. He doesn't need to be playing with the kids that are healthy. And all of a sudden, these disciples that were actually teenagers, many of them were teenagers, you know, they kind of felt they already arrived, started saying, no, stay away. He has more important things to deal with. And they scolded the parents. Back off. Give them room. And for some reason, the disciples began to choose who the audience was Jesus was going to minister to. And I think about this. I think about children. And I think about how oftentimes our our kids become annoying. And how oftentimes we pick and choose when we want our kids are around. Even with camping, I know that we'll go camping in this summer and there's times where it's like adult time, kids time. But sometimes we get so protective of our time that, that we miss opportunities to speak into our children's lives. You know the most important times that you speak into your children's life is in the everyday mundane. Because that's what we live in in suburbia is the everyday mundane of one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. But it's in those moments that, that Jesus was even trying to say, welcome them, bring them in. Let them just enjoy this moment. And as parents, we oftentimes push our kids away, put them in the basement to play, and we miss out on that opportunity. I see so many churches that have done this. I've been a part of churches that have had their adult time and their kid time. And again, I get it. I understand it. But, but there's something that's missing. When we as adults miss out on looking at life as our opportunity to speak into our children's life. I mean, think about worship. You'll see some of these kids worship and it's like they need to teach us what it means to worship. And Jesus stops him. And look what he says. But Jesus said in verse 15, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. Now, what's after them? An exclamation point. What does that mean? Was he soft? Was he gentle? Was he easygoing? Don't stop them. We oftentimes say that more to our children with that tone than we do with our actions. Our kids, stop. I'm in a conversation. And you give them those death eyes. Like, you keep doing this, you're dead. We've all done it. But it's so interesting. He says, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like the children. Who are like the children. For the kingdom of heaven is for those who are like these children. Think about this. When we think about children, what do we learn about them? They're innocent. They're teachable. They're full of faith. They're full of forgiveness. They're full of risk. Teachability. Faith. Trust. Friendship. Forgiveness. Jesus also says this in Matthew 18. He says, Jesus, and this was even before this ever happened. 
And remember, the disciples were already with them. So Matthew chapter 19, the disciples are with Jesus with a bunch of children. And, and just a day earlier or a week earlier in Matthew 18, a similar thing happened. This time Jesus invites the kids over and He says this. And in Matthew 18, He says, Jesus called a little child to Him and put Him among them. So in the midst of all of His teaching, and He was teaching all these big spiritual, deep understandings and all these things that people are like, wow, did you hear Jesus? That was awesome. You need to get it. It's recorded. It's online. And Jesus took this child and He said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Ooh! Look what that says. I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You see what Jesus was saying to disciples? He said, stop! You're missing the opportunity to learn something from these children. No, 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 no. We're supposed to teach them. Stop. And in this, Jesus was saying that what we are supposed to do as grown men and women is we're supposed to learn from these children. We're supposed to learn about innocence. We're supposed to learn about purity. We're supposed to learn about teachability. We're supposed to learn about forgiveness. We're supposed to learn about faith. I tell the story often about the first time that I taught Lukey had to jump off the diving board and we started at the low dive and he was terrified and after a while he jumped. Then we went to the middle dive and he finally jumped and I remember standing underneath the high dive at Crestville like, this dude's going to squish me. And I swam back that he knew that I, wouldn't, I would let him go in the water then I would rescue him. And all of a sudden, after about 10 minutes when all of Crestwood Lake, now it's a little exaggeration, but about 30 people were cheering him on, Lukey, Lukey, all of a sudden he jumps. I mean, that looked like a challenge. How many times has God put things before us about stepping out in faith, about risk, about someone speaking truth into your life and learning to just take it in? Or, or what about forgiveness? Think about forgiveness. That, that our siblings, we got four kids and, and they fight. And sometimes when they're, when they're little, they forgive each other and they, I love you, I love you, I love sister. And they hug and they kiss and they get a little bit older and the Forgiveness gets a little harder and then they become adults and they get to choose if they love them. I love when my teenagers tell me that. I can choose if I want to forgive them. And that's how we are. That's how we behave. And Jesus is saying, stop. Come to me. Like little Benjamin Mark. That the world is open. And so often our kids become hard and become, become corrupted and become unforgiving and become unteachable and lack faith because of who? Because of us. 
When I go through really hard times, I think about my kids and how they've made it through. I think about when I've gone to doctors or I've gone to different things of how one of my children has gone through more than I'll ever go through in my whole life. I think about forgiveness when, when Sue and I will, will have a problem with one another and what am I, how am I supposed to forgive right now when I, that's the last thing I want to do. What's the example? What's the model? What's, what would they do? And Jesus is saying, this is who you are. No matter if you're 60 or 70 or 80 or 90, if you're 100 in this room, praise God, you're looking awesome. <laughs> no matter what age you are, the moment you start following Jesus Christ, He's saying you're making yourself become vulnerable to be teachable, to become a learner, to put away your selfish and sinful deeds. And saying that, that I get a do-over, I get a, I get a restart. I remember the day that I became a Christian. I was in college and it's a crazy story. You've heard it before. And I remember that day being in college and, and laying on my bed. And it wasn't at a church service with great music and the preacher just gave this message that nailed it out of the park and I signed a card and I put it in and they just hunted me down for like four weeks. That didn't happen that way. I came to a real crisis moment that like, it's either try Him or no more. And I remember laying on my bed and all I heard the Holy Spirit say to me is, Rob, I'm giving you a do-over. I'm giving you a second chance. And that day was like a whole new person. I kid you not. It was like, I just said, I will do anything. I will be anything. I will sit myself in a place of learning what it is. And the first thing I had to do was learn how to forgive. And I said, not this time, God. Anything but that issue. And I had to become like a little child. And then I had to relearn and I had to become teachable. And then I had to learn to become full of faith. And then I had to become full of honesty. And all these things that I was not, He was saying, you are going to become. Not you must, but you will become. Become like a little child. And so for us here at the plants, our children are so valuable to us. We love you teenagers. We love you junior hires. We love you college kids. And we love your roots. The first thing we ever did when we talked about starting a church, the first thing we talked about was how are we going to minister to our kids? Because as Scott Hosier put it when I met with him for the first time, he says, I don't want to go to church to go to church. I want to go to a church that's going to pour into my children. And he has said to me multiple times that the reason we are here at the plant is reteach our children what Christianity is supposed to be. And Christianity is not pushing them to the side. It's not leaving them out, but it's, it's getting them involved. It's getting their hands dirty. It's letting them be a part of the things that we do minus God in the bar. You're supposed to laugh. Everything you want to be a part of, kids, come. Just not God in the bar. It's a bad habit. But it's in that. 
that we as a church, we have to value our children. Because your faith, as I said to Patrick, will be your children's faith. I look at my parents, and every parent messes up. But I see the one cornerstone that my parents have done and all of the good, the bad, and the ugly that they have done, and now as adults we can talk about it, maturely, sometimes. My parents gave me Jesus. And I look at my, seven, my six brothers. Six out of my seven brothers, we've all gone through rebellion, trust me. I gave my parents what? Won't say it. I gave them a run for their money like many of you parents will never go through. But they gave me faith. And it wasn't faith in this eternal thing. It wasn't this utopia. It was faith in Jesus Christ. That when I came to my crossroads, when I came to the end of my rebellion, He was my cornerstone. On Christ a solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And we as a church, we need to be this. Perfect morning, baby dedication. Beginning of the school year. I'm gonna, there are 68 reasons why, what I can give you for why we do Roots and why we need to love our kids. But I'm just going to give you some. I'll put the rest on Facebook. We're going to flash them up here. First, Jesus loves your children more than you could ever imagine. Do you realize that? For God so loves the world. Your child's Creator loves you more than you can ever love. Because He's got eternity in store for them. For all who will believe. It promotes their eternal happiness. I want my children to know the indestructible love of Christ. I want my children to one day be able to say, when everything is going wrong, when everything has happened, when nothing is going my way, that I have eternity. It helps them make sense out of life. Who is God? Why does this world seem so broken? And is there any hope? I mean, I know so many parents that want their kids to figure it out. What they're figuring out is what you do. And what you value is, is that what they, that's what they will make sense of. What you value is what they will make sense of. It's their first and best chance to accept Jesus. I believe this. Do you know statistics show that if a, child, if a person doesn't come to age before the age of 18, their chances to ever fully embracing it drop drastically? Why? Because we get to look through as little kids the, the reality of who God is even in the midst of a broken world. And as they get older and as they see that the world is more and more broken, we can guide them, we can teach them, we can coach them through all of this messiness. Sometimes I wonder if my kids have been too early to be baptized. But if my child wants to make the stance that I want to follow Jesus, shame on me if I choose not to baptize them. It helps avoid negative outcomes of sin. The reality is we all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. 
But when we as parents raise our children, when we put them in roots, we are letting them have childlike conversations of learning to avoid sin. Sin that can be destructive and even at some point ruin their lives. It can help counterbalance worldly influences. All week long, the world is pushing on your child. All week long, they are pushing on your kid to believe what they want to influence with them by. All we do with Roots and with youth group and bringing them here to church is that we counterbalance. We give them the best opportunity to not be so one-sided. And I think of so many parents that choose soccer over, over coming here and being part of a church family. I think of so many parents that choose other sporting events on a Sunday morning when, when sports go on all week. It's like the one time that your kids can come and learn and be with other kids back there, growing and being fed, but yet choosing other things. I'm going to say it, and if you don't like it, I think it's a grave mistake. It's a grave mistake. My daughter has been a star pitcher where I've had coaches try to, try to manipulate me into getting her playing on a Sunday because they know they were going to lose without her. But at some point, my daughter needed to know that I am making a stance. I am making a stance that Jesus is more valuable to you than softball because if you make it to college, and let's say you even make it to the USA team, which is really, really hard, it's done. But Jesus lasts forever. A practice, a game, doesn't destroy anything. If your kid's a stud, they're a stud. They're going to be used. And if they miss a game and they're not a stud, they're going to keep learning. But we as a church, do we as parents find value in this? And it's not about coming here. It's not about going and punching the clock. It's about putting our children in a situation to grow. That the Holy Spirit manifests in His life. And it allows them to have adult mentors in safe contexts. Aaron Weiss, where are you? Where are you? I love you. I love you. To watch your maturity of how you have spoken into our junior hires, I applaud that. Amanda, I love you. Aram, Shunt, all you leaders, Susie Wilson, all the kids people that, that I love you guys. I love you for taking the time and pouring into our children. I love you guys for that you find value that, that on a Friday or Saturday you'll take our kids out for ice cream. I love all you who, who volunteer in, in the kids' ministry and nursery because you find value in my child. Because I find value in you. Kids' ministry is the one thing that everyone wants to blow off and not participate in because, ugh. I need worship. Not, you need to love kids too. Imagine. Let me step off my high horse. Imagine. Brother to sisters. Brother to brother. Imagine if we were that church that poured so hard into our children that gave them every opportunity to know Jesus Christ. I know. I know. In the midst of a world of chaos, in the midst that we have no idea what's going on politically, in the midst where sin is the only thing that's popular, I know that if we are that generation of parents and grandparents that step up to the plate 
and choose Jesus Christ for our children, you will be wowed by what our kids will do. And one day, just like I have done to other people that taught me in Sunday school, I will go up to them and thank them. They will thank you. Here's my challenge. Let's first become like little children. Let's first become like little children. Let's be teachable. Let's be full of faith. Let's be full of forgiveness. Let's be full of grace. Let's be like little children saying, today, no matter where I am on this faith journey, that I'm going to learn to just step back from who I am and step into who God wants me to be. I'm going to stop acting like an immature adult and I'm going to start acting like a child of God. Remember last week, stop, start? That's what we're going to do. And second, let's corporately learn to love our children. Let's volunteer for Roots. Let's open our house for the youth group. Let's do things that, that are so countercultural to our society that we're saying that we want to love these kids. And do you know what my kids love more than anything about the plants? They love this time. During bagels, where Joe Chinese is always trying to beat up Brandon. Where Sue Sher will just come up and give my Becky a hug. When I have the opportunity to see little Noel because Mia doesn't like me, Noel will run up and give me a kiss. Like that's the joy of being part of a church. We are not a religion. We are a community of faith. Amen? Amen. Now here's the deal. I'm going a little long, so I'm going to stop. I'm saying this humbly. I don't want to play church with my kids. I want Benjamin one day to be able to allow me to marry him. To perform that service. And I want the same thing for your kids. Because I know you want the same thing for mine. And so here's what we're going to do this morning as we come down to the Lord's Supper. I'm going to ask Patrick to come help me serve communion. As we come down, I want us to ask two things. God, help me become a little child. And two, where are you calling me to serve these kids? Because that's who we are. I want to invite the band to come forward. And I want us to pray.